0: Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here today to be worshiping with you. Thank you, Pete and Abby, for, you know, we like the big teams, but it's, you guys did great. I just, uh, I, I, I like to sing, but I love to listen to the harmony this morning on that last song. It's beautiful. We're in Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to beginning in verse 16 and read through the end of the chapter. Read through the end of the chapter. The title of the message today is The Wrong Road to Eternal Life. The Wrong Road to Eternal Life. Matthew nineteen sixteen through 30. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young men said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying... Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, Lord, then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you will have... You who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Carla and I were were driving back from Minneapolis, uh, not Minneapolis, from Indianapolis to Rochester about, I think it's probably been 10 years or more now, and uh, we had attended the Southern Baptist Convention, and we were on our way back uh, to uh, Rochester, and the normal route that we would have taken uh, was was you go I-80 up by Cedar Rapids and then, then go north, but there was a tremendous amount of flooding that year. And so we had to, to kind of skirt around the eastern edge of Iowa um, and go up Highway 52. Well, as we drove along, we were getting hungry. And so we looked at our trusty GPS for a nearby restaurant. And we found that it said there was a nearby Denny's in that part of the country. Well, we followed our trusty GPS to where the Denny's was supposedly located... And it led us out in the middle of the country and told us we had arrived. The location was in the middle of a farmer's field. There was not a Denny's at that location. In fact, there never could have ever been a Denny's at that location. And so we discovered that our trusty GPS was not so trusty that day. You know, sometimes we live our lives thinking we are basically going in the direction of a place where we want to go. However, if you're going, if you think you're going someplace, but you've been given the wrong direction to that place, you're not going to end up there. Sometimes in our lives we do things that we think will be purposeful and life-giving, that we think will please God. We think uh, will somehow ingratiate us to God. Sometimes in our life we do... Uh, we, and then we discover after doing these things that we find they're not taking us to where we want to go. They're not, they're not leading us to the, direct, to the destination we've been seeking to go. I think that was the case in the life of the man we read about in Matthew chapter 19. This man was a young man seemingly destined for success. We learned he was an outstanding member of his community. Uh, He was a a ruler. And that probably meant that he was a a ruler. He was a presider in the synagogue. We learned that he was a man of means. Uh, He had many material and earthly possessions. But the man knew something was not right in his life. Something was missing. He thought it was just like a missing piece of the puzzle. If he could just find that missing piece of the puzzle, his life would be complete. He could achieve eternal life. However, when he went to Jesus to find out what piece of the puzzle might be missing in his life in order that he would attain eternal life, Jesus basically informed him that he was on the wrong road. The road that he was on would not lead to eternal life. In this very familiar passage that we find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke... ...we see this timeless truth. Eternal life can't be worked for by doing good... ...but is given when we believe, receive, and follow Jesus. Eternal life can't be worked for by doing good... ...but is given when we believe, receive, and follow Jesus. Eternal life is not something we attain... Not something that we can grasp hold of. Uh, It's it's not something we work for, but it's given to us if we follow the one whom is truly good. Now, as we look at this story this morning, I want us to learn a few things from this story. First of all, eternal life cannot be earned through the doing of good things. Eternal life cannot be earned through the doing of good things. We call this man the rich young ruler. Matthew tells us he was young, and Luke tells us he was an extremely rich ruler. Mark tells us about him. He said he was, Mark tells us he, uh, he ran up to Jesus, and he was eager to hear, hear truth. Mark also tells us that he came with an humble attitude. He came to Jesus, and he knelt before Jesus. And 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 this one we call the rich gentleman also went to the right place where the truth could be found. He addressed teacher. And uh, or as uh, Luke and Mark tell us, he says to Jesus, good teacher. Matthew tells us this, teacher, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's an important phrase and we often skip over it. The young man thought what he needed to do was some good thing or good things and if he found the right good thing or things to do, he could inherit eternal life. He could attain, he could achieve eternal life. And so Jesus from the very beginning addressed his misunderstanding about what eternal life was. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. Um... Uh, You know, and and Matthew says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. You see, the rich young ruler assumed goodness was something you achieved, something you did. That's what goodness was. That's what he thought. Jesus was trying to redirect his thinking and pointing the rich young men... Not to not to one who did, did good, but to the one who was good in his very nature. Jesus was pointing him to God, who is, who is what good is. He is good in himself. Um, he was helping him to see that it's not good things you do, it's, it's the good that you are internally inside. And he said there's only one who is good. Uh, no one is good except God alone. That's what Jesus said. The man assumed goodness was something you you uh you do, but he didn't understand that goodness is something you are. And so Jesus gently pointed out to him that goodness is who you essentially are. And it's not in just what you do. Now people often look at this passage of scripture and they misunderstand Jesus. They say Jesus was denying his deity. They you know, when Jesus says there's only one who is good and that's God, Jesus wasn't saying that he wasn't God because we've read all through Matthew how he made all these audacious claims. That he was going to be the judge whom we would stand before. That you have to follow him. And so Jesus was not denying his deity, but Jesus was trying to to uh, tell this rich, rich young ruler... That God, in his very nature, is good, and Jesus, yes, he is good, because Jesus was God and is God uh, to call Jesus good was to confess him as God, but the man simply thought about Jesus as a as one who did good deeds, one who do uh, spoke good words. The man misunderstood goodness as simply doing good things instead of being inherently good, and so we asked Jesus. The question about eternal life, but his question was wrong in his thinking that eternal life was, could be achieved by doing good things, by doing good deeds. Now, Jesus said to him after this, He said, If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Now, Jesus was telling this rich young ruler, If you have to do things to enter eternal life, you've got to keep the commandments, you've got to keep all the commandments. You've got to keep all the commandments. And, uh, you know, James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable to all of it. He who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. Uh, the young man did not quite seem to get it. But Jesus was trying to point him, if you, if you really think you have to do things to... Uh, to have eternal life, you've got to do the commandments. The, the guy still didn't get in, so he said to Jesus, which ones, which commandments? Uh, and so the man seemed to be thinking, um, which one of the commandments is the secret code for achieving eternal life? Which one of them is a secret code for achieving eternal life? Now Jesus then listed basically the second half of the Ten Commandments. He talked about not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness, honoring our parents and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so the man, as he looked at these commandments in his shallow kind of way, uh, uh, he thought, Well, I've kept those. I haven't murdered anybody. You know, I I haven't committed adultery. I try to honor my parents. But even though he felt like he had kept those kind of commandments, he still knew something was wrong, something was missing in his life. You see, this young man had misread the commandments like most people misread the commandments. They look at the commandments as a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts. And they and they measure themselves and they think, well, I do pretty good by the Ten Commandments. I keep most of them. But notice the commandments that Jesus did not keep. You see, if you look at commandments that a list of rules, you kind of tend to think, you kind of tend to focus on the ones you're, that you think you're keeping. But Jesus didn't list all the commandments, did he? How well would this man do with the Ten Commandment, which talks about? coveting things and uh, your neighbors homes or wives. how would the man do with the first commandment that said you are to have no other gods before god how would the man do when it, when uh when he asked himself about the second commandment that you are not to have any idols you're not to worship anything but god himself you see the commandments are not a list of rules to keep or not keep we must understand them. the commandments are, uh, are to be looked upon as a mirror. When you look at the commandments, they're a mirror. And you look at the commandments and you see how short that you fall, uh, how you are really not keeping them. You are really not keeping them when you seriously look at the commandments. You know, Jesus talked about the commandments. He talked about murder. And he said, it's not only wrong to murder, it's wrong to hate. Jesus talked about adultery. He said it's not only wrong to commit the act of adultery, but if you, if you look on someone and you desire to have an immoral relationship with him or her, you committed adultery. You see, the commandments are to show us our sin. We look at the commandments, we understand that we break these commandments, and we're not able to keep them because uh, of our sinful and selfish nature. Why can't we keep the commandments? Why do we know what's right and oftentimes do the wrong thing? It's because we in ourselves are not good like God. We are corrupted and sinful and selfish. You have God who is good and then you have human beings who are messed up and who are selfish and sinful and not good in ourselves. The man still thought he was okay. He still thought, I'm okay. But he knew he lacked one thing, right? He was looking for the secret thing, the secret code. And he thought Jesus could tell him what that that was. I think this man would have gone to great lengths if Jesus had told him anything that he had to do, like heroic deeds. I think he would have, you know, as the old song, climb the highest mountain. If, if that, he would have done those things but the problem was not what he did or did not do it was who he was and who he was following Jesus said if you want to be perfect and that word has the idea of complete or whole sell your stuff give it to the poor or you have treasure in heaven and follow me you see Jesus was pointing out to this man this rich young ruler that life is not doing good Eternal life is is not just never-ending life. Eternal life is following and knowing Jesus. It's following Him. It's surrendering everything you are to Jesus and following Him. Uh, If the man wanted to know what was the key to eternal life, the key was following Jesus and leaving everything else behind. The man looked at his possessions... And he valued his possessions more than he valued the greatest treasure of all treasures, Jesus himself. You see, he thought it was just a list of do's and don'ts that get you into heaven. He thought it was just a list of do's and don'ts that give you eternal life. And Jesus said, it's following me and living for me and surrendering all to me. And the scripture says he went away sorrowful. You see, choosing anything above Jesus is ultimately always leads you to sorrow. You see, eternal life is not achieved by doing good things, it's not achieved by having some missing key. Eternal life is knowing and following Jesus. That's what eternal life is. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Michael Green writes, Eternal life is not so much life that goes on and on, as it is a new quality of life. Life released from materialism and selfishness to share the loving and self-giving life of God. It might not be riches that you treasure more than Jesus. It was for this guy, but it might not be that uh, for some of you. I know as a teenager, when I began to, to know that I needed to wholeheartedly follow Jesus, I felt like I had to just give up friends, I had to give up relationships. And so I left some of those relationships in order to follow Jesus. For you it might be security, or power, or prestige, or fame. But if there's one thing you treasure more than Jesus, you've got to get rid of that thing so that you might know and follow Him. Eternal life is not earned by doing good things, but is given when we Begin to know and follow Jesus. There's something else in this passage of Scripture I want to point out. Eternal life is something only God can provide. Now Jesus then said something that astounded his disciples. His, uh, it, it astounded them. He says, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that blew them away. Because they thought that material prosperity and riches were a sign of God's pleasure, uh, were a sign of blessing from him. Religious leaders kind of were expected to have prosperity as a sign that God was with them. But Jesus and his disciples didn't live that way. That's not how they lived. Jesus then said riches, rather than provide a sign of God's blessing, are often a hindrance to a person knowing, loving, and ...following and finding God. You see, riches often lead people to trust in their riches. They often lead people to trust in their riches. They look to their riches and what they can acquire and do... and, and ...for their identity and their security. Riches often lead us to seek to protect and grow those earthly riches which are going to pass away, you're not going to take them with you. And, and you, you seek to protect them and grow them instead of investing them in eternity by helping others and extending the kingdom of God. Um, if, you can have, if you have everything materially, but you don't see your spiritual poverty before God, you don't have anything at all. You don't see really what's important in life. You don't think about what's going to happen when this life is over. You see, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, a lot of times being poor in spirit is, is not always, but it's often connected to being poor economically. Riches can hinder you from following the Lord. They don't have to. There were rich people in the Bible that followed the Lord. But there are also rich people that didn't follow the Lord because of their riches. And so riches can be a hindrance if you're trusting in your riches. If you're serving your riches instead of following and loving and living for Jesus. Then Jesus said something that further astounded them. I tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel, the largest animal that they know, to go through the eye of a needle. And the word there is a common sewing needle. You know, there are some wrong interpreters that try to say this doesn't mean what it actually means. But it actually means what it actually says. Jesus is talking about a real camel going through a small eye of a needle. Jesus said it's easier for a rich person it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus saying? The, the disciples were astounded and then they said, well then who can be saved? If we thought the rich were those who God blessed, who can be saved? And then Jesus said this, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. What was Jesus saying? He was telling them that man cannot save himself. The rich man cannot save himself. The poor man cannot save himself. We cannot make ourselves right with God. The rich can't do it through their riches or some great deed or great deeds. The poor can't save themselves. But many times the poor understand their, their poverty before God. And so Jesus is saying salvation cannot be achieved through, through works or good deeds. Salvation can only be provided and achieved by what God does for us. We sang this morning about the blood of Jesus and the cross that Jesus died on. You see, that was God's work so that we could be forgiven. That was what God did for us so that we could be saved. Salvation is not something we do. It's something that God provides for us. We cannot save ourselves. It is impossible. God must save us. It, salvation can only be provided and achieved by God's gracious acts and His miraculous works. The scripture says, For by grace are you saved you, through faith. That, this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. So that no one could boast. You see eternal life is something only God can provide. You see if you think eternal life is simply achieved. By doing more good things than bad things. You're mistaken. If you look at being right with God on a scale. That simply you have your good deeds on one side. And your bad deeds on the other. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You're going to be saved. But the problem is your good deeds will never outweigh your bad deeds. Your good deeds uh, are against a perfectly holy and just and righteous God. They are not enough to do away with the evil that we have done. You might have a person that's the nicest person in the world. They're they're nice 99% of the time. But if they go out and they commit one murder, they're not a nice person. Right? The scripture teaches that if we sin against the holy God, and it's not, we don't just sin one time, even the best of us. Our sin outweighs all the good things we do, and we cannot save ourselves. The good will never outweigh the bad. The bad will always outweigh the good. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do away with our sin. We cannot make ourselves right with God. But Jesus did make us right with God when he shed his blood. You see, the sacrifice of the sinless Son of God upon the cross, shedding his blood in our place, that is what provides us with our salvation. Jesus can do the impossible for us and save us from sin and give us eternal life. What we could not do for ourselves, there's one who did it for us, and his name is Jesus. And the scripture says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you desire eternal life, there's no secret deed you must perform to attain it. God provides it to you if you will believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes... In him, and that's just not talking about intellectual belief but it's talking about embracing him and, and following him and saying Jesus I want you more than I want all the stuff of the world eternal life is something only God can provide and he will give it to you the minute that you believe and begin to follow Jesus there's one final truth I want to point out from this passage of scripture and that's this Eter- eternal life is something that begins now Eternal life is something that begins now. Now when Peter heard what Jesus said, he replied, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? You see, what, what the Lord asked of this rich young ruler, Peter and the other apostles had done. They'd left uh, jobs and uh, they they left families for long periods of time they left occupations and wealth to follow Jesus uh, it seems kind of like a self-serving question but it really it was a simply the truth they had done this they had done this they had given up everything to follow Jesus because they did consider him the treasure of all treasures now, Jesus answered Peter with kind of a tender uh, reply that we're going to look at this week. And then uh, it's, and next week, in the parable that we're going to talk about, it's kind of a rebuke to Peter's uh, question. But, most, but first of all, he, he has a kind of tender reply. And he, and he says this to those who truly sacrifice to follow Jesus. He said this, I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne." You who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus was saying to his disciples, his apostles, these 12 who had done this, they're going to sit on thrones and judge the 12th tribe of Israel. Now that's a pretty heady thing to tell someone, isn't it? That's a pretty heady thing to tell someone. Peter, if you're wondering what's in it for you, there's a lot in it for you. And then Jesus addresses Every follower who has ever sacrificed anything to know and follow him. He says, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You see, Jesus says... Yes, it's worth it to follow me. Not only do you know me, but you'll never regret knowing and loving and following me. Uh, There is much in it for you. You know, oftentimes we do talk about the sacrifices we have to make in order to follow Jesus. And sometimes those sacrifices are real. I've known people who have come to the Lord and their families turned their backs on them. I've known people who have come to the Lord and then the Lord tells them to go across the world and they, and they do, they've left everything. They've sold their property, they sold their family and they're serving and sharing the gospel in remote places in the world. Some of them in very dangerous places where their lives uh, are endangered as they, as they share the gospel. But I want to tell you, you can't really give up anything To follow Jesus. Because he's worth whatever it costs. He's worth whatever it costs. He is the pearl of great price. He is worth whatever it costs. Jesus said, you know, you're not going to give up something and then God's going to owe you something. Whatever it costs to follow him, it's worth it. Because he is worth it. Jesus said to them, I give you eternal life right now. Right now you're going to have homes and a true family. Those who have left family have the family of God. Uh, those who have left everything, you, you would ask them and they'd say it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Jesus is telling us he's more than going to supply everything that we, that we have to sacrifice in order to follow him. But the ultimate thing we receive is eternal life, God's kind of life, a life of walking with and knowing Jesus, a life re- released from materialism and selfishness to the loving and self-giving life of God. And I want, to know, I want you to know, that doesn't just happen in the sweet by and by. That begins the moment you begin to follow and, and live for Jesus, the moment you believe the minute you believe, that's when eternal life begins. That's when it starts for you. You don't have to wait. It's, it's, it's Yes, it's going to be better because we live in a fallen world. And someday God's going to right all the wrongs. Someday He's going to completely do away with evil. It will be better later, but today He's with us now. We have eternal life and we're living in that eternal life right now. You can find and begin eternal life if you believe and follow Jesus. And if you've done that, you already have eternal life. You see, we need to ask ourselves the question this morning. Are you on the wrong road that does not lead to life? Do you think if you just do the right things, if you just do good things, if your good outweighs your bad, you're going to somehow stumble into eternal life? Or do you realize... That eternal life is found in, in coming to know, love, follow, and serve Jesus. It's following Him. It's following Him. It's letting Him change you and make you into what He wants you to be. What road are you on today? Eternal life can't be worked for by doing good, but is given when you believe, receive, and follow Jesus. Possess it today by believing and receiving Jesus. Possess it today by continuing to follow Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love and Your grace. We thank You, Lord, that though we thought we could achieve our own salvation, Lord, we can't. We can't. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But we thank You, Lord God, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, you have provided eternal life for those who will believe. Thank you that that many here are believing and are following you. And I pray that anyone that's not on that road to believing and trusting and living for you, they're trying to, to earn your favor, would understand that the favor comes when they will surrender their life to Jesus when they will begin to believe in him open their eyes to your truth Lord help us Lord also when, when we feel like we've sacrificed when we feel like it's, it's hard for us to do what you have called us to do help us to remember that walking with you and knowing and loving you is whatever uh, is, wor- is worth whatever it might cost us whatever hardships we might face whatever we might have to go through help us to never forget this It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.